Hello, everyone. You are listening to Kingdom Stories, where we tell stories of hope and power from the lives of everyday Christians just like you and me. It's my hope that these stories encourage you in your walk with the Lord and remind you weekly about how awesome our God is. Hey, everybody. I'm here with my brother, Mike Terry, from church. Say hi, Mike Terry. Hi, Mike Terry. Hey, brother. You want to go ahead and give us a little bit about yourself and then jump into your story? Sure. I am a contractor. Uh, We do roofing and waterproofing, and I am a husband to Julie Terry. Uh, We just uh, just ticked off 30 years in April. Congratulations. Yeah. And I have four kids, uh, 29, 24, 22, and 14. Our grandson lives with us. He's three. I go to the Movement Church in Oakland, which I love. I am a... uh, I'm a pastor there, uh, lead home groups, and to love Jesus, like really love Jesus. And I'm very grateful to be a believer in the life that he's given me. Amen. All right. So you had some stories for us today. Let's, let's hear them. Okay. All right. So I'll start with, I have a story about trucks because I'm a contractor and contractors like trucks. In 2000. No, in 99, I got a 97 F-150, a really nice one, but it was used, and uh, it was a great truck. And then in 2004, they came out with the Nissan Titan, and it was like, ooh, like, I want one of those. Me and my buddy, he's a contractor too, we were both like, oh yeah. And so I said, Lord, can I get one of those? And he said, do you really need one? I mean, you got a pretty new truck. It's still in good condition. I was like, yeah, not really. Okay. And that kind of went like that for, you know, every year it would be like, I'd see one again and be like, Lord, can I get one of those? He's like, do you really need one? Truck you got's pretty good. It's like, yeah, okay. And then, um, you know, year after year, 04, 05, 06, 07, my kids are always saying, Dad, you should get that truck. That's like, you love that truck. You work hard, Dad. You deserve that truck. And, you know, my flesh is like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? But uh, every time I'd ask God, he'd say, do you really need it? I mean, the truck you got is pretty good still. And so every year it was like that. And then in 2008, the, uh, the economy crashed, right? Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and you know, the, all the property trading on Wall Street. So nobody was buying trucks. And I saw a 2008 Nissan Titan, brand new. And these trucks list for about $34,000, this particular truck. It was for sale for $14,999. Whoa. I was like, what? So I saw it and I called and I said, you got a Titan brand new listed for $14,999. And he said, no, 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 that's not right. I said, well, it says it right here in the ad online. I'm looking at it. And he goes, hold on. And then you hear in the back, hey, Jeb, is there blah, 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 blah. And he, he goes back. He says, um, yeah, it, it's for sale. It is $14,999. And you better hurry. It ain't going to last long. And I knew it was true. And so then I said, Lord, can I get one? God spoke to me. He said, I'm glad you waited. That's the one I was saving for you. Wow. So I run right down there and I got that truck 
Yeah, it was a pretty cool thing because my kids got to see that God does want good things for us. He's got his timing. He didn't want me to live for the things of the world, but God, God wants to give us nice things. He just wants us to have our heart in the right place and to mm -hmm. follow his leading, right? Mm -hmm. So it's this one, all, the, to this day, the kids still talk about it sometimes. The, you know, they, either them or I am working on trusting him and, and like the, maybe the answer is no right now. And they'll say, is this like the Nissan Titan for me, dad? <laughs> and I'll say probably so, but you never know. You just got to trust him. So it's, wow. a, it's a nice story. So it was a faith builder for our whole family. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was your truck story. I know you had a couple others for us too. I do. Okay. So in 2005, I started my company. It's called Rain Defense Roofing and Waterproofing. If your building has leaks, your best offense is rain defense. Anyway. Um, sorry. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> right. Shameless plug. So I started in 05, 06, 07. We finally started to make money. First couple of years, it was a real struggle. 07, we did really good. Got back to zero, right? Except now I had the business built. Mm. So it was right, and I was poised for the future. And then the bottom fell out in 2008. And construction was really hard hit. So then 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12 was brutal. Like mm. really, and, and it wasn't like I could shut it down and go do something else. There weren't other jobs, right? Yeah. So I just had to kind of battle through it. And so in 2013, January or February of 2013, God had been working on me and my obedience for a long time. And in, in, in February of 2013, I told my bookkeeper, I said, you know, because she wasn't, the year before I said, look, we need to pay my tithes first, not last and the spirit had been showing me, you know, that basically, you know, God wants our first fruits and he wasn't getting my first fruits. He was getting mm -hmm. my last fruits if they existed at all. Okay. And he gave me a vision of an apple barrel and, you know, and, and the apples get stacked in the barrel and then you go and sell the apples. And then the ones at the bottom of this old barrel, you know, big barrel, that's a lot of weight. And the ones at the bottom are bruised, they're smashed, they're nasty. Mm -hmm. And if God was getting a cut at all, that was the cut he was getting. And he wow. showed me, I saw this vision that I was giving him the last fruits, not the first fruits. And I felt like I really wanted to change it. You know, my faith was growing. I was really learning obedience in a lot of different ways. I went to my bookkeeper and I said, look, I'm not signing any checks until I see that last week's tithe check has cleared the bank. Wow. And she was resisting me. She would let me sign the tithe checks and she'd hide them in a drawer because <laughs> we, we were in trouble financially. Things were terrible, right? But the cool thing was is that after I told her to do that, everything got worse, right? it just kept getting worse and worse and worse all through that year. And so by August of 2013, I was, I was getting in, I was very far behind. Um, I had gotten behind on my taxes and, um, 
it was a lot, a lot of money. And I just felt like I can't keep doing this. I can't keep getting further behind. So I was praying in August. I said, Father, you know, I have an opportunity to start this business, but I can just go get a job. Do you want me to, to just go get a job or do you want me to start this business? What do you want me to do? And his answer to me was, it's your choice. I'm with you either way, mm. okay. which is pretty cool. God doesn't always give us a choice like that, but in this case he did. And so, so then you cut to 2013 and things are crashing and burning, right? And, you know, I'm like, did I hear you wrong? I mean, have I been deluding myself? Did I sin against you? Or, I mean, what's going on? I'm trying to obey you every way that I know how. And I believe that, you know, your heart, you know, you search to and fro throughout the earth to strongly support those whose hearts are completely yours. And it's, I mean, if I, what's going on? And I wasn't really getting an answer. And so I said, all right, I'm going to put a fleece before you. Okay. Cause I don't know how else to get an answer. I need an answer. I have to have an answer. And in February I had bid a job. It was, it was a million dollar roofing job and I had never done a job. I, the biggest job I had ever done was about a quarter million. Okay? Wow. It's only like one job that big. Okay. And I bid this million dollar job. It was somebody that I'd been doing repairs for and it was a re-roof of like 53 buildings. Whoa. Right. And they trusted me, but it was, it was a, a roofing system. I had only done once before on one small building. I'd never done a job even remotely that big. My credit was trashed. I wasn't certified with the manufacturer. Okay. It's just really, it was, it was a pipe dream that I would get this job. And the big problem in the recession wasn't that we couldn't make money. It was that we didn't have work all the time. And when you don't have work, then your overhead eats up any profit you might've had, right? Mm. Steady work is the key in construction. So having a big job like this that would last, you know, nine or 10 months would be a game changer for us. So I bid it and I got the call back like in March. We want you to do the job. I'm like, really? They're like, yeah. Okay, great. So then, um, you know, I was getting stuff together, insurance and things, sending them certifications, whatever. They call back and they say, the, the roofing consultant who's running the project, he's going to be the project manager, refuses to work with you because he says that you're unqualified. So mm. you can't have the job. That was April. And then in May, they call back and they said, we fired the roofing consultant and we want you to do the job. We got somebody else. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and then in June, they call back and they say, the manufacturer says that you're unqualified to do the job. So you can't have the job. And then they call back in July and they say, yeah, we decided to switch to a different manufacturer. We want you to do the job. I wow. said, okay. <laughs> and then in August, they call and they say, so we ran credit on you and it turns out that you have some tax liens against your business and you're not financially able to perform this job. 
we can't give you the job. And that's in the context that I'm doing this prayer in 2013. Lord, are you, I thought you said you were with me. Have I sinned against you? Have I, you know, what's going on here? Okay. And I was really crying out to the Lord, which I don't think we do enough, but I was crying. I needed an answer. I desperately needed an answer. And so I said, Lord, if I get the, they had already said that we're taking the job away, right? And two times they had said yes, and then they, three times they said no, or three and three, whatever it was. And it was just like, it was gone. I mean, they knew about my tax liens. They knew that I wasn't financially able to do the job. So I said, Lord, if I get that job, if I actually get to do it, I'll know that you're with me and I'll keep going. Mm. And if I don't get the job, I know that you're still with me, but I'll close rain defense and we'll, you know, find some other way forward as a family. I don't know what to do, but, you know, and so then um, about a week after that prayer, they called back and they said, you know, we don't care. We'll, we want it. We want you to do the job anyway. So we made arrangements so that they could pay for the materials directly so that um, they wouldn't be at risk for the materials, which actually saved me money on my insurance, which is great. And we did the, we did the job starting in, in April of the, or March of the next year. And we worked all into like September on it. So I wasn't slow. And from 2013 until from, from that time in 2013, we sold the job, but then I started to get busy and we were slow for the first time in 2019 in the spring. We had not been slow for, what, five or six years. Just wow. full on, good, profitable jobs. God brought great customers. He brought better people to my business. And there's been a lot of challenges ever since then, you know. But each one of them, I learned something in that time. I learned that just because things aren't going right doesn't mean God isn't with you. Right. Mm. And that we, and that we, what he really wants is for us to cry out. He wants us to really lean on him. And a lot of people, they don't believe that they, they think that they're supposed to do it themselves. And I've really learned I'm nothing without him. I need him. And I like it that way. And that isn't an excuse for me to sit back and let God do everything for me. I still got to put my best forward, but in the end, it's him. It's it, he put the breath in my lungs. He, you know, it's all that. Amen. That's an awesome story. Yeah. It, it's, it's awesome to, to realize that God cares about our business. Right. You know, I, I think it's easy for us to assume that, Oh, you know, there's what I do for my job and then there's what I do for church. Yeah. We separate them. Yeah. And it's obvious that God cares about your job. He cares about your business. Right. One could argue more than you do. Right. And Rain Defense has turned out to be a haven for many people. You know, he's blessed me financially. And as a result, we've been able to serve the church and we've been able to help people and just, and it's like, we're, we're his instruments, right? 
And, Mm -hmm. you know, some people are given, you know, they have like a sweet demeanor and they're really good at the bedside of people who are sick. Some people are given the ability to preach. I mean, Ed is amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Our, pastor, our pastor, Ed, if you don't know who he is, you know, Christopher and Spencer, and they have those gifts. And some people have like, uh, you know, Zach at our church, he's really good with finances and he's been able to really help the church with that. And, and you know, everybody's, you know, God has given me this business and it's my instrument to serve the church. You know, and I don't see it as separate. I see them as totally connected. So mm-hmm. yeah. that's awesome. I think you had one more story for us, right? Oh yeah. So I told you earlier on in the podcast that I've been married 30 years in April. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, May now when we got married, it was rough. It wasn't, you know, we both were Christians, but we were both not particularly healthy people, right? We mm. both come from dysfunctional homes and, and, you know, personality types that had their own issues and blah, blah, blah. But we got married and it was a rough ride. There wasn't that there was no love, but there was a lot of things that weren't loving my, on my part, on her part. Um, you know, we had our first child on our first anniversary practically. Um, three days apart. So, you know, there was never really that time to build and get established, you know, bumpy road. Um, When we were about 10 years in, I was pretty frustrated with our marriage. I was frustrated with the church. I was frustrated with me as a Christian. Mm. And I, I, I just really got discouraged. And God told me, be strong and courageous for I've given the land into your hand, but I didn't believe him. And I gave up and I went away from the church for four years. In 2000, late in 2004, I just couldn't be away from, from my, my heavenly father anymore. I missed him so much. And I came home, came to the church. I didn't feel the same way about the church. I wasn't angry at the church anymore. I wasn't frustrated just was glad to be home. Faith was born in me in a way that had never really existed before. I'd been kind of one of those legalistic, judgmental kind of Christians we all love so much. And uh, I was very good at it too. I was a mess. But anyway, the every, and my demeanor changed. You know, my, my relationship to the church changed. Things changed with me and Julie, but still, you know, things weren't real good. And so that was in 2005. And then in 2007, I called that period when I was away, that four years, I call it my sabbatical, in which I really got to learn just how deep and wide the love of God is by being away from it for a while. Mm -hmm. In 2007, she, she was ready for a sabbatical too. And she didn't want to be married anymore. And so this, that's kind of the setup to my story. So basically, she didn't want to be married to me anymore, but I didn't want to give up. I was full of faith now. Things had changed, right? And so she didn't want to be married anymore. So I moved downstairs. We had a five-bedroom house out in Antioch. And so she stayed in the master room upstairs. The kids lived upstairs. There was a bedroom downstairs, and I moved into that. But I, and I was praying to God about what to do. And he said, 
he said, if she leaves you, you're innocent, but you don't leave. That was the word of the Lord to me. He spoke pretty clearly to me. It wasn't an audible voice that time. And so I didn't leave. I stayed downstairs and and her mom came down and was trying to gave her money to get a lawyer to sue me and all this stuff and sue you. Uh, yeah, you know, for divorce and be able to take all the money I didn't have. <laughs> and we were, this is, you know, 2007, 2008, this is when the bottom fell out, right? We had bought a house, but we were, we were behind on the taxes. We were, you know, think, yeah. so anyway, and I just told her, the Lord spoke to me again. And he said, you tell her that if she tries to, tries to set it up for me to pay child support so that she can just have the kids and not have to work, that you'll you'll just shut down rain defense and go on and go on welfare and then there'll be nothing to get and he told me to do that because her mother was feeding into her heart and mind this fantasy you know that somehow it would be better and god wanted that off the table so mm. I, took, I said look i'll impoverish myself so that you don't you don't have that tempting you and she was really angry with me at the time Right. But I was, did it, I did it because I love her and cause I knew that she was being lied to. Okay. And so that's what I told her and she was angry at the time. So then she just basically kind of, she was in a, it went into a steep depression and stayed in her room most of the time. And that went on for a couple of years. And then in the third year, so this, you know, 2007, it started. And then in late in 2009, things started to change. God told me, I want you to start challenging her a little bit. So in the beginning, and he spoke to me four times that year. He said, you tell her she has to make dinner three times a week. And if she'll do that, then she can keep getting her allowance. That, you know, Because I was putting money in her bank account for her to use for herself and whatever. And as long as she is, if she would just make dinner three times a week, cause she was in depression, right? She mm. barely came out of her room and she was in a, in a, in a real bad, dark place. Right. Mm -hmm. And so God said, just tell her she has to make dinner. And it didn't matter if it was macaroni and cheese out of the box, but it made it, she had to come downstairs, come in the kitchen and cook. And then he, he kept telling me that about every three months throughout for the next you know, three months, he'd tell me to add something to the challenge. And he'd mm. tell me, it was like, he'd tell, in my prayers, he was telling me what to add, okay? Do you, have any, so, do you have any additional examples of, of things? I don't remember them all. I mostly just remember the mac and cheese, but it would be things like, you know, you have to, you have to check the kid's homework. Mm. Okay? Simple things, nothing too hard, but adding some responsibility. And through the course of that year, it helped her to begin to come out of the depression because depression feeds on itself, right? Mm -hmm. And so taking action, doing something that you're supposed to do can make you feel a little better. And then you take another step and you feel even a little better. And instead of having a downward spiral, God was starting an upward spiral. And so by the fourth challenge, she, she started to actually have some hope again. She started talking to me, you know, just like roommates, but we were talking again. Mm -hmm. And then, and so in 2009, 
into, into 2000. Yeah, it must have been earlier in 2009, throughout that year. But towards the end of 2009, we started talking about, you know, maybe trying to fix the relationship. We went to, we went to somebody who was doing the counseling at our church. She was, she was a trained counselor, and she helped. Then she recommended that we go to this thing. It was a seminar on forgiveness. And so we went over to this big church and cut the town over from us. And this guy, Steve Deal, um, who runs Forgiveness Ministries, was giving a seminar on Friday night and Saturday morning. It was an eight-hour seminar, unwrapping the gift of God's forgiveness. Oh, man, it was so good. It was like exactly what God had taught me about forgiveness, but I couldn't describe it. And he had it all written out and explained perfectly. And it was, it was amazing. Okay. And, and so Julie went up and talked to him for a bit at the end on Saturday and he offered to personally take her through it. And I don't know why. Except mm. God. Okay. And so he, and Julie didn't trust men. She had never trusted me because of the sins of her first boyfriend, because of the sins of her stepfather, because of the sins of her brother, because of the sins of her father, okay? Because of the sins of other men in her life, she was unable to trust me, and we had lived that way for a long time. And now we're trying to heal our marriage, but these, she's got these deep feelings of mistrust. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, sinful men are not trustworthy, mm-hmm. right? So it's not, it wasn't that it wasn't unfounded, right? But we can't function in that. And so this guy, Steve Deal, did a 13-week study with her personally and walked her through step by step by step. And at the same time, God introduced her to somebody who uh, did counseling and did some very powerful stuff with her about, you know, getting her brain to think differently about things, you know, showing her how to build new thought patterns. Okay, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I, but I tend to think that it was the forgiveness thing most of all, because I, I mean, I, I've made my mistakes. I've sinned against Julie for sure. Some have been whoppers. Okay. You know, during my sabbatical, I cheated on her, you know, it's wow. like, you know, impatience. I used to be a very impatient person. Thank you, God, that he's worked a lot of patience in me. And, but I wasn't always, and she had to suffer through that. A lot of other things, just not loving. And so this guy walked her through, Steve Deal walked her through, you know, the forgiveness study. And she was able to, for the first time in her life, see me without the burden of all these things that I had done and others had done against her. She was wow. able to truly forgive. And let me tell you, brother, it was different after that. It, mm. I, our relationship has never been the same. Never. We don't fight anymore. We, Julie and I never fight. Never. Okay? Wow. We don't always agree, right? But we don't fight. We trust God to work things out, and we're patient with one another, and, and we trust one another that the other one has good intentions and that good things will come. And, we don't, and it's just, it's so different now. As bad as the first 20 years were, the next 10 years have been amazing, okay? Mm. And the thing that, you know, the, many, many miracles came out of that. You know, God telling me what to do to help her out of the depression, to get things started, God helping me not to leave. God helping me not to see her as a perpetrator for wanting to 
you know, just get money and leave me, right? A lot of guys feel really violated by that, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm not innocent, but neither is she. So why, why, what have I done to deserve that, right? Mm-hmm. I could have taken that attitude, but instead, I never stopped seeing her as my beloved. And that mm-hmm. was God. He did, he helped me with that. Because when people hurt us, it's hard not to start to see them as the enemy, right? Mm-hmm. It was a miracle that God kept me from seeing her as the enemy. So in 2010, it wasn't dead on. It was the day before our 20th anniversary. Our church had a rededication ceremony. 150 people showed up. Okay. We got all dressed up. I got to propose to her the right way this time. I, I proposed to her at base. It wasn't Denny's, but it was basically Denny's for the first time. But I did it right this time. Did a really nice proposal. I asked her to marry me again, right? She said yes. Got her, got her a nice ring this time, you know. And, and uh, we had a beautiful ceremony, and we had people that we loved and that loved us there, and and it was this amazing thing. And then, you know, just growing in faith and partnership and learning how to really walk. You know, the Bible gives us example of, of married relationships and people just don't believe in it today. Okay. They, they, mm-hmm. People have got other ideas of the way to live. And, and I'm telling you, man, Julie and I, I just know that when we believe God and we just see what's in it, okay, we just keep discovering more and more blessings. And and the one that I really discovered more than any other out of this time was God said, I hate divorce. And I knew that it was true. And he said, you don't leave. Okay. During that time I sinned, I was angry. I was bitter. Sometimes I was sad. I was depressed. I, you know, it was a hard time when we were separated. Okay. I didn't do it perfectly, but I believed God. I believed what he said. You don't leave. I redeemed my wife. I redeemed her by faith. And now together we're redeeming our children by faith, right? And we're sowing seeds of life that's going to last for generations. Amen. That's awesome. (laughs) So, So God used forgiveness to save your marriage. People have no idea how, how much of their marital problems come down to that. Mm. And it's sad. You know, guys, I think guys just don't think about it. But women have, are being intentionally fed unforgiveness these days. It's, in, it's permeating our culture. They're being told that they're victims and that, and that if they forgive, they'll just be worse victims. But that's not what God says. And the Bible says that if you'll forgive, you have victory, right? We don't always know what it looks like. And that's not just men too. You know, the government has, was a big part of the problem. What happened to my business, right? All the stuff that they were doing with the loans and the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Okay. But I can't, I couldn't be angry. I can't be bitter. It would have consumed me. I just had to keep trusting God that he had a way for me in spite of the fact that they were doing things they shouldn't be doing. Right. Mm-hmm. I could have been bitter at all those, you know, those Wall Street brokers up there in, in their high towers on Wall Street and other places doing their deals. Right. Mm-hmm. And they didn't care who they were hurting. Right. But if I'd have let that consume me, I wouldn't have been able to move forward. 
Okay? Mm. I had to forgive them. I could have been angry at all the people who took out loans that they couldn't afford. Okay? And then when, the, when things changed, they wanted to blame other people, but they're the ones who signed the paper. No one held a gun to their head. Right? Yeah. And then they all walked away from these loans. Okay? But I can't, I can't be bitter at those people or it will consume me and I wouldn't be able to find my way of faith forward. And so we forgive, right? And I need people to forgive me and we have to forgive others. And, you know, that's the way forward for us. So in marriage, it's especially true because the closer our proximity, the more intimate we are with people, the more often they sin against us. Mm. Really no way around it. We all have the sin nature. We don't mean to do it, but we still do it. And so for your spouse more than anyone else, forgiveness is absolutely critical. And, it, and it's changed everything for us. Wow. Praise God. It is awesome. It's, it's awesome how his forgiveness just really heals people and heals relationships. Yeah, it is. I think I, the one thing I'd want to say to people is Christians, right? People too, mm. but Christians. We don't believe God. Mm. Really... It's so hard for us, but I finally learned I'm betting everything on him and he's never let me down every time. Okay. It may not look like what I thought. Okay. It may not seem to have been in, in the right time, but he never lets us down. If we'll really put things in his hands, faith changes everything. That's awesome. I really appreciate you, man. You know, the, the, the thing that you're doing with this podcast People need stories of encouragement. I really, really believe it. Okay. And I just wanted to encourage you, you know, what you're doing is it's, it's vastly underestimated right now, but persevere because when people start to get encouraged that they can, they begin to see that God will, and they start to take a chance it's, it, it creates that upward spiral we were talking about earlier, right? Mm -hmm. so just, just keep doing what you're doing. It's a, it's a very, very, very good work, Jesse. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thank you, brother, for joining us and appreciate what you, appreciate you telling your story to us. Yeah. If you like the story today, please don't hesitate to spread the love. Share it, like it, and subscribe to hear more. If you want to share a story from your life about an encounter with God, please don't hesitate to email me at jesse at newawakeningministries.org. Stay safe and remember, the kingdom is among us.